right, let's worship the Lord. Everybody stand, please.
joy in the house of the Lord today.
Lord, shout hallelujah. Great. Lord, we just thank you for your presence here with us already. I just pray that your Holy Spirit will just move in mighty ways. As today, God, we hear more about your second coming. And we say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I'm fine, Lord, with you interrupting this message in the service today and just taking us home. In Jesus' name, we, everybody says. All right, say good seeing you in church today to two people. And our kids can head to Haven to get. week sunshine glad to see you here today you're feeling better good it's all good um man i can't top all those announcements this church is on fire and i'll tell you what if you're not doing something that's your own fault because there's a lot for everybody join in and be a part of this community because it is amazing the groups are fun and we are always in trouble so that's all i'll say about that Anyway, we have a women's conference coming up in September. Anybody that's going, see Rebecca or Judy about the uh, uh, overnight stay. I don't know what else to call that, but anyway. Uh, women's retreat, October. We're going to be on fire in here, so you better get your girlfriends here. It's going to be fun, food, and family. Did I say something wrong? Fellowship. Uh, that was the word I was looking for. Fun, food, and fellowship. Y'all looked at me like I said something bad. Um, <laughs> um, and lady clean, ladies, clean out your old purses. We're going to have a purse exchange. Anybody that comes will get to take a purse home. It's going to be exciting. And I get to check them first. Huh? No. Um, sorry. I got to behave myself today. Um, and thank you for the denotion. No. 
donations. Why won't that come out of my mouth? Okay. The donations. Okay, I got a lot of sleep last night, so I think it's too much sleep. Um, for the meeting ground. And Rig, thank you so much for working with them and setting that up. That is such a good thing. We are feeding the homeless breakfast and lunch, I think, every day. And all of these contributions goes to them. And I'm telling you, they're going to have a lot of Cheerios. It's all good. I like Cheerios. They'll all be heart healthy. But um, I, we did have a couple sad things. Uh, Dot from our community kitchen. She uh, passed away. She had been very ill and came home, and she did pass away. And she was an amazing lady. I met her a couple times, and she really did a lot of work for the community kitchen. And now um, our friend Bill's over there stepping up and taking a lot of that community kitchen on, and we love him for that because it's a great, great mission. Um, and also, if you haven't signed up for next month, there is a see Bill or get signed up, okay? And Mark has expressed that his mom, Eve, will be going on hospice next week. She's um, slowing down. So we want to keep her in prayer. Um, she's still at Calvert Manor, so let's just keep her lifted in prayer. And um, Dale Ross has asked us to lift Shelby Durbing. I know I'm not saying that right, but she's having some medical issues, so we want to lift her in our prayers. Um, and also... Elaine Abrams, Ernie Abrams, okay, you know what, I've got them in my hand, Ernie Abrams, who's going through a lot of medical issues that they're not sure what's going on, and Patty Miller wanted us to lift him in prayer, okay, all right, um, did I get everybody, speak now, forever hold your peace. I try. I really do try. And the ones I miss, just forgive me, okay? I'll get you later. And Chris, those cookies are to die for. Don't anybody eat them. They're not healthy. <laughs> How do we pray here? Hands down. Hands down on your knees. Give it to God. Marge, you're here, and those legs must be feeling good. Sunshine. The prayers are working. We're going to keep praying for those knees. Dear Heavenly Father, I want everybody here to give it up to you. Everything that was on their heart when they got up this morning or when they went to bed last night, the fight with their spouse, the yelling at the kid who didn't come home on time for curfew, all those little things that just kind of eat us up sometimes, God. We, want, we need to give them to you. I pray for healing, continued healing for our brothers and sisters here in this church. I want to welcome all those new faces that I keep seeing over and over. They're just a blessing to have them here with us. And I hope that they get the message from Jesus that this church does love God and loves community. That's what we're all about here. I pray for our vets, that they continue healing. And I pray for those that couldn't be here today because they had something they had to take care of. I pray, Jesus, that you work with everyone here with what's on their hearts, because I know there's some heavy hearts today, and that's okay, because we're here to lift you up, and if anybody needs a hug, I always have extras. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. The hugs are free.
All right, good morning, everyone. Good to see everybody here today. We are on week three of our series, I'll Be Back, all right? Um, it's about the second coming of Jesus. A couple things, lots of, like uh, Joanna said, lots of things going on, lots of announcements, um, lots of things, and announcements are just things that you can participate in um, primarily. But um, here's the QR code if you want it for uh, the, the Worship Guide Bulletin, you can use that if you don't want to use a regular paper one. Also, though, a um, couple things. If you see on um, the 10th of September, right after church, we will be having our Haven 201 class. And that is, um, it's, it's, I say class, but really it's a lab. It's, um, and I don't know if you like labs or that made you nervous. It's something fun. There we go. How about that? It's um, an opportunity for you uh, to go ahead and get, um, we get pass you out a little booklet, and you can find out your um, your personality uh, and also your spiritual gifts, and that's primarily what that's all about. So if you want to do that, just stay after church and for a little bit, you can fill that out. Once you fill it out, you're good, and um, you can head on out. All right. So that's just it's for you to discern those things. God gave you all a personality, correct? Some of you, by the way, you reacted, he gave you a better one than others. But anyway, um, but that, no, everybody has a personality and spiritual gifts, so we want you to figure that out. Also, um, back in June, we always have our big baptism celebration with food and everything, and often there's some people that can't um, make it for that time. So on the 17th, um, we're, we're going to go ahead and get in just a smaller part, not food or anything, but um, if you uh, would like to participate in that and you weren't able to in June, you can sign up for that online and connect there, and then we'll get in and, and do the baptism. Sound good? All right. You guys ready to begin? Okay, here we go. Um, the series got a lot, gotten a lot of good feedback from people. I had some people that told me they listened to last week's message twice because um, they, there was a lot of things that were going on. So before we begin, we want to welcome Church Online and all those who are here. And if you're visiting, we're just glad that you're visiting and just want you to relax and just be excited about, um, about what God is, is doing for you. And so we are in this um, series, as I said, in the third of four weeks. And so next week will be the last week of the series. And um, the second coming of Christ in the end times is actually one of the top topics that Christians and, and people want to know about. And so that's why we're, we're kind of focusing on this. And we're doing that because there's, number one, it's one of those things that has freaked a lot of people out over the years because many pastors, many people get caught in the whole discussion of 666, the Antichrist and all that stuff with the tribulation. And we get, we get scared about it. And, and it's a horror story. And what I've been trying to convey to you in this series is not a horror story. It's a love story. It's about, it's about Christ coming back because he wants us to be with him. And the cool thing is, all that 666, all that Antichrist and stuff, if we love Jesus, we're out of here. So we don't have to worry about it as much. And so um, we, we, we want to share that and want to get people comfortable with it because Jesus loves us. And this verse that I've started every week with is, is something I think Jesus knew how we would feel. And he started this with John chapter 14. And he starts off, everybody read that first part with me. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Why do you think Jesus said that? Because... They were troubled. He was leaving, and they didn't know what was going to happen after that, but he just said, don't let your hearts be troubled. And I think he meant that for us as well. He says, you believe in God, believe also in me, and my Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, what I told you, that I go to prepare a place for you. So what we learned is Jesus said, don't be upset, don't be uh, troubled. I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And they say, okay, all right, that's all well and good. Um, you're preparing a place for us, that's, that's great. And 
Jesus spent time with his earthly ministry, but it was all about something else, taking us to where he, he is. And so he's, it's not about taking care of a rescue on earth as much as it is about the rescue mission, getting us out of here and getting us with him. And that's why he continues on and says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will do what? I will come back. Look at the person next to you and say, he's coming back. All right, there we go. He's coming back. And what's he coming back for? To take you to be with him. For anybody who loves the Lord, he's coming to take us to be with him. And I was just thinking about some good vacations I've been on. Anybody been on a good vacation? Like in life? Anybody stayed in like a hotel like you don't want to go home or like a resort? Anybody done that? Anybody ever stayed in a worse place? Like you, you might have a good location, but you go in and there's like carpet up the walls. You know what I mean? And, and, and you turn on the sink and the... Uh, or you flush the toilet and, you know, it, there's no water pressure. Everybody know what I mean here? And, you're, and, you know, it's bad when you say, we stayed in one place one time, and Melissa said, oh, it's fine. And then she said, don't put your bag on the floor. I'm like, <laughs> and when I went home, she said, um, when you get home, wash everything in hot water for me. I'm like, why did we stay in that place? You know what I mean? I would rather slept in the car. But anyway, um, and, and he's taking us because he wants us to be with him. And that's the whole reason why Jesus is coming back to take us to be with him. And that is awesome. So he's coming back. He's coming back. Week one, we spent some time, and I really tried to share with you the why. And the motivation isn't judgment. It isn't wrath. The motivation is that he wants to be with us. From the very first part of creation, he created us to be in fellowship together with him. Sin separated that. So the rest of the scripture and what Jesus did has all been leading to a point where he's saying, hey, I'm coming to get you. I want to spend time with you again. I want to right that wrong. And so um, it's a love story, as I said. He's bringing back the love and um, bringing back that love story, not a horror story. So the first week was the why. Last week was the what. And I tried to give you the, the event and around that. And I did something that is kind of psychotic. I went through all of Revelation in about 20 minutes and then added some other stuff about um, a couple churches. And hopefully you got it all, or maybe I just gave you so much you didn't know what happened, um, and that was good. But the main thing is, we, then we focused on two and three, where Jesus was pretty much saying, I love you, and here's how you can prepare. We use those seven churches. Here's how you can prepare as the church is the bride of Christ. He said, I'm coming back, and I'm ready for my bride who's prepared, and that's what we want to do. So we spent time with the why. We spent time with the what, and here's the one that everybody wants to know, the when, all right? So that's what we're going to talk about today. Everybody wants to know this. Are we close? Are we there yet? How, from a little kid, we were like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Have we ever done that? And so we're going to spend some time with that today. And we're going to, we're going to base this off of not what anybody else says, um, but we're going to base it off of what Jesus said. And we're going to go ahead. I'm not giving you, I'm going to tell you, I'm not giving you a specific date. Because if I did, go enjoy that day. Because Jesus said, I don't know, only my daddy who knows. He ain't let me know. And so when all the people over the years have said that, go have a good day, all right, uh, on earth, all right? So, um, that in the four Gospels, there's four Gospels, accounts of Jesus' life. And only two Gospels, Matthew and Luke, decide to go ahead and talk about this teaching. So Matthew 24, we're going to spend most of our time with, and Luke 21. And so I encourage you, if you want to read more on that, because we don't have all the time, but go ahead and write those down, Matthew 24 and Luke 21. Read through those, and you can hear what Jesus says to cover all these areas. So in Matthew 24... Here's what we have. Jesus is sitting on the Mount of Olives, and this is cool because this is where Jesus ascended, and that's where um, he says, I'll come back to. So it says 
here is what it says. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and said, tell us, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Okay, so they want to know the same thing we want to know today. A lot of times people want to know, when's it going to happen and um, what's going to be some signs leading up to that? And so that's why today's sermon is, a message is called, I Saw the Signs, and everybody thought I was going to have Ace of Bays, so we're going to sing that today. But, um, so, and Jesus said this, watch out that no one deceives you, all right? He says, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. So that's just kind of a heads up um, that it's the beginning. It's not the end, but these are some of the things that are leading up there. So we are definitely there. But you may say a lot of generations could say there's been wars. There's been rumors of wars. There's been um, lots of things like that. So, in fact, I found out that in the last 3,400 years, um, the time in all of that 3,400 years that there was no war recorded in history was only 268 of those years. So we have actually spent 92% of the recorded humanity over 3,400 years in some kind of war and conflict. So we shouldn't be surprised at that. So everybody could say that, right? Any generation could possibly say that. But then Jesus continues and he says, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquake in various places. These are also signs that are currently be fulfilled. But again, somebody years ago, people in Pompeii could say, hey, you know, we got disasters here as well. But then Jesus goes on and says, all these are the beginning of what? Birth pains, birth pains. And so he compares the end times and how to recognize it. And he compares it to pregnancy. Um, so I've never been pregnant myself. Um, <laughs> I haven't been. I mean, I look like it a couple times in my life. But anyway, um, I know some of you have. And, um, and I'm thankful that God chose women to have kids. Um, and I'm not one of them. But anyway, it's an awesome experience for you and for me to watch, you know, the whole thing. But, um, but just like pre pregnancy, they may give you a due date. But very often, it doesn't happen on the day. Am I right, ladies? Right? Some of you, it happens a lot earlier. Some of you, it goes on forever correct? Um, and so you, so you have those things. And, and you, you know what's going to happen, but you don't know when. And you also know, like, there's a, di let me ask, let me ask you, is there a difference between pregnancy in the first month or the third month and the ninth month? Okay, there we go. I see a lot of people saying yes. And, and so um, it, I have five kids and all those pregnancies were a little bit different. Um, I think Emigel's the only one I think that had a scheduled delivery, but um, and Miguel waited till like, we went in early in the morning, like six, and then she came like 10 or 11 o'clock at night. I actually fell asleep. I'm sorry. Um, but anyway, um, and so it was all day. I was tired. Um, but anyway, um, Jacob was a high-risk pregnancy um, from, from, he was due in August, and he was born in July. He was born early with an emergency C-section, and um, there was that. I told you about Emigel. Rachel, um, Rachel wasn't too bad. I know she came out eating. She hadn't stopped to this day. That's Rachel. Um, Hannah, it was a long day. And Miguel went as well. And um, Hannah was trying to come out here first. So we went to another. Uh, we, we knew that, that, that she did, was going to do things her way. Um, and, uh, and so she had a C-section too. And Judah, we just found him in the woods somewhere. And, you know, um, <laughs> uh, no. 
<laughs> Sometimes it feels like it, all right? Um, but no, I mean, he, had, he was a C-section as well. And so, you know, things don't go as you plan, correct? Um, they just, it just happens. And you don't, you don't know the day, and, and sometimes, you know, you see on TV, oh, my water broke, and I find out, like, a lot of women, their water doesn't break, and you're just kind of like, I don't know, what's that, ah, you know? And so there's all kinds of things that go into that. Up before we started having kids, I just thought, okay, you get pregnant, and then, of course, the time comes, and you just go, there's the kid, you know, and you go, it ain't like that, isn't it? Um, you know, uh, and so there's a lot that goes into it. But the, 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 the deal is that, when you know you're pregnant, there's changes that go on, but you know that in the eighth or ninth month, this is getting close, correct? You can, you can see it by the way you walk, by the way they look at you, by the way they <sighs> huff and turn in bed, right? Um, and all that kind of stuff. Are, are you right? Just the way the clothes that they're wearing, the, you know, sometimes it affects um, swelling and all kinds of things. Sometimes some people look like the same, and then they turn, you know, turn around, and they're like, you know, like this. But it's, it's all kind of, and each of those pregnancies are different. But you know the difference between early on and later. And so, um, you know, what we're seeing is that's similar to what Jesus is saying here. He's saying that there are things that show us that we aren't in the first trimester, right? That we're, there's things that are showing us from what Jesus said that I believe we're kind of in that eighth or ninth month. We're getting close, we're getting close. And so I'm going to share some of those things with you today um, from what Jesus said. And so in Matthew 24, 36, Jesus continues, and he says, and then remember they asked him the question, he said, but about the, the day or hour, no one knows. Everybody say no one knows. Everybody say no one knows. So when somebody tells you it's going to be May 11th, what are you going to say? No one knows. And somebody tells you, hey, it, it's going to be, uh, you know, September 4th, you're going to say? There you go. Good job. So many people have lost life savings and all kinds of other things because they put faith into somebody else. When Jesus said, hey, no one knows. So um, I've had people in, in you know, local churches who decided they were going to put that all down. And I had like a really rough year. They were saying it's September or something. And I went to them after that date and I said, I'm really mad at you. And they said, why? I said, because I'm dealing with a lot of crap and I'm supposed to be out of here according to you. You know what I mean? Be- but the bottom line is I was, I was joking. I was being sarcastic. Sorry. Um, but I was because no one knows. And that came from Jesus. He says, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son. I hate to tell you, but if the angels in heaven don't know, and if Jesus himself on earth doesn't know, no one knows. So not going to tell Jack, them, Jack in the road or Billy Bob or Susie Sue, whatever, you know what? They're not going to tell them. So we can just put that to rest. Who knows? Only the Father. Only the Father. And I know you're going through, well, what about that Trinity thing? God, God just didn't reveal it to him at that point, all right? It's go- but here's the thing. It's going to happen, but no one knows. No one knows. So anybody who thinks they could have predicted, they don't know. Over the years, there have been numerous, numerous rapture and, uh, and all kinds of second coming predictions. From as much as 500 AD, some of the most modern ones, and I found this huge list, um, and there was things 1901, 1914, 1915. Um, it goes all the way through October 1964. Uh, 
1988, we'll talk a little bit about that one in a second. I'll give you an example there. And somebody gave uh, a 10-year span, sometime between 1999 and 2009. I say sometimes between zero and the end of time. That's, what it, that's, my, that's my deal. Two, um, 2000, everybody was, everybody was saying, oh, it's going to happen 2000 because of computers, right? Remember that? Um, we had uh, Harold Camping who said May um, 21st, 2011, and then he said he messed up and it was October 21st. 2011. Then we had um, 2012, September, 5th, uh, September 28th, 2015, um, July 22nd, 2020. We would have loved it that year, correct? Um, remember that? Oh, somebody said 2021 because of everything else that's going on. And then 2024. So, hey, we're, we're getting closer. Um, after 2025, so the person's like, okay, I'm right if it's a couple years. Um, 2029 and 2057. And there's so many more. So, I mean, bottom line is, it's going to happen, but nobody knows. It was interesting. Back in 1988, this guy wrote a book called 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1988. And then it didn't happen, so he wrote a book, another book. Here it is, the next one. Uh, the Final Shout, Rapture Report, 1989. He's probably still writing them, and uh, he's, uh, maybe uh, 2,023 reasons why it's going to be 2,023. I don't know. But the bottom line is this, no one knows, right? What is it? Okay, no one knows. So, but we do have some signs. Jesus gave us some signs, the birthing pains. And so what he did is he said, um, when you see the signs, get ready, get ready. So I believe they fall, there's lots of different signs, and we don't have, I don't begin to even want to cover all that today, but I do believe they fall into two major categories, and that's what I'm going to pick up with today. And then I'm also, after that, give you two responses to the two different approaches, okay? So here's the first one that we have. One of the signs that everything seems to fall under is there will be an increase of wickedness. An increase of wickedness. When I say wickedness, I mean it's going to get bad. It's, and here's what happened. The bad is going to get worse. All right? Everything that you think is bad in the world is going to get worse. And it's going to get worse. In Matthew chapter 24, let's look what it says here. It says, Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. Now, I don't know if... Uh, the modern-day church is really ready for this, at least in our country. Um, but I do believe it's coming. I think we've seen over the last maybe uh, 30 years how there has been more of an attack on Christians verbally and, and just uh, personality-wise in our own culture. Um, but all around the world, people are dying for their faith every day. So, and, you're, and for your faith... You're going to be mocked and, and hated or canceled or other kinds of things. Um, and so I don't know whether the church in the United States or in other areas is really ready for this. And so that's why I'm spending time on the series. Then it says, at that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. What we have seen in our country is in our country and in other ones like England and ones that were, were part of the Reformation, those countries are seeing a decline in Christianity like they never have in those areas. Um, and it says, and they will betray and hate each other. Sadly, we have that spirit in our culture now. There's so much hatred, so much division, to the point that when someone disagrees with you, you can't have a conversation. I don't just dislike you, I hate you. 
And that's where we are in our culture. And that happens even in our universities, where the universities used to be a point where you would have a free expression of, of ideas. In our universities, there's certain ideologies depending on which one you go to. And if you have a difference of opinion, man, I hate you. We have an election coming up. If you are a Republican or Democrat, I hate you on the other side of the aisle. That's where we are today if you don't realize where we are. In kids' sports, have you ever seen the people on the other side in kids' sports? You know, there are fist fights. There are all kinds of things. And, and you remember a couple years ago when down in Texas, the one mom of a cheerleader hired a hitman to take out the other girl's mom who beat her daughter for captain on the team? Hatred, like we've never seen before. And so Jesus continues and says, um, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many. We have churches right now in theology and doctrine that last week we talked about, we talked about those who, are, who follow uh, the teachings of Balaam, which is anything goes. There's grace and love. And then the opposite of that, the Nicolaitans, which is so legalistic and rigid. And so sometimes we have that all over the place. We have a deconstruction of Scripture and a, a warped focus about what the church is supposed to be. And it's happening now. So why is this happening now? Jesus tells us it's because of the increase of wickedness. The love of most, and that seems to be a majority anymore, will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. The Apostle Paul jumped in on this, and he began to talk about the end times. And he says this in 2 Timothy 3.1. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. Now, in seminary, I, um, I took two semesters of Greek. I really enjoyed Greek. Um, we had to take Greek New Testament, where um, the whole semester I had a great professor, and we would, through the whole semester, we would translate um, a Greek New Testament into the language here. And he, the, my teacher's father was a pastor, and he was so good at it that he would stand up there with, in church with a New Testament, and as he was reading Greek, he would translate as he was reading out loud. Pretty amazing. And then, I never got to that point, just to let you know, but then I took um, something called Greek exegesis, and it doesn't mean exit Jesus, it means exegesis, but where you get into the Greek and you study it, I took that for a month right after I took Greek, and I, I really had this, it was amazing, because, you know, I, we have a lot of, this is another thing that Christians do, we like to talk about translation this and translation that, and get, I'm going to tell you, everyone in English has some faulty thing, because the original language is Greek and Hebrew. So, but God is good, and he, he gives us the true meaning, and we, we can study and be scholarly, so don't get upset about that. But there were so many things that I, that I learned, and I, that's why we I'll go, hey, in the Greek says, because I want to I share those things with you because I think it's really neat. But in the Greek, in that original language of the New Testament, it says there'll be terrible times here. And the word terrible is a really fascinating word as it's translated. And this is what, I, what I'm talking about. The same word that is translated as terrible here is the same word that was utilized in referring to the demoniac that Jesus sent the demon's legion out of him and had him in his right mind. So technically what it also is saying, not only terrible times, but there will be demonic times in this day. In other words, there will be times that are godless and that Satan's just running rampant in our world today. And take a look around. And you can see that, that some of those are really here today. There will be demonic times. And people will be lovers of self. And that's the definition of Instagram, right? Click, you know, look at me, let me get the right angle. I mean, remember when selfie sticks were big? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because you guys may take the selfie stick and take, up and take a picture. But, um, we, you know, selfie sticks, we wanted to get a really good picture of ourselves. And, um, and we love the filters, don't we? Ooh, I look good with a filter, you know. Um, but a lot of people were lovers of self. And um, 
and, and lovers of money, uh, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Boy, is that a list. And it says all these things. So why are we doing this? We're making an effort. And we want to go ahead and what we really need is all these things come about because of the absence of the presence of God. And we need more signs and wonders. We need more miracles. And that doesn't come by my might, my power, by your might, your power. It only comes by the Spirit of God. And I pray that that happens more and more as the more we embrace the power and the Holy Spirit of God that we will see, as Jesus said, you will do these and even greater things in my name, only through the Spirit of God. What, what, is, uh, what does Jesus say to do with these people? Have nothing to do with these people. And he says, and so he actually warns that in the end, these things happen. And that's a list of a lot of things that are happening already. And there's a lot of stuff going on, but here's the problem. It's tough to deal with when you're in the middle of it. Am I right? When it's all around you and, and that's where everything's going, it's tough to go through and I recognize that and I experience it myself. You know, I, I've done some, I did a lot of studying in this, um, in this uh, series, and one of the neat things is to look at the conditions of the world, not, you know, just by, by people who are real, do nothing but study that. And there are people who are, who are missiologists, they study missions around the world. There are historians and sociologists and other scholars. Everyone agrees that, with this. Not one person in those areas that really has a scholarly approach um, they, all, they all agree that America, the United States, is in what they call late decadence. Late decadence. And it's a, it's, it means that, they are, that we as a society are decaying. We're decaying morally and many other areas. And it's a major issue and we need to hear this because there's never ever in the history of the world, there has never ever been a society. And we're talking about societies that have been around a lot longer than us. Um, the Romans, the Egyptians, and, and everyone else. There's never been a society in human history that has recovered from the point that we are currently in, in our decadence. So if we recover from it, we will be the first in 5,000 years of recorded history to recover from the area of moral decay that we have ended to. You can see attacks on family. Um, majority of truth becoming whatever you want it to be, insanity and immorality and that the Bible calls degrading. As we know, the world operates in cycles. We have several different cycles that exist, uh, like moon phases, seasons, human development patterns. It's a cyclical world, correct? And, um, And nations have cycles too. And again, some of the four major indicators of the health of a nation are its economics, its religious cycle, its social cycle, and its geopolitical cycle. And in history, and many have done, many people a lot more intelligent in this area than I am have done studies on these, and they showed that if, if there's at least one that is doing well, society stays strong. It's, it's not as strong if three are down and one are up, but it still holds in there. And, but one of the things that does happen is as they look at this, when multiple ones, and particularly all four of them, drop, nations decline, and they decline very, very rapidly, in some cases overnight. According to scholars, currently all four of these cycles, economic, religious, social, and geopolitical, are at their lowest points in American history. 
There's ne- it's never happened in history like that. And again, this is not a socially responsive statement, but it's based in, in history and rooted in history. What about the way that we act and react toward each other? The Bible calls that degrading. Look at the numbers of murders. Look at the loss and respect of life. I mean, you've seen it. You've seen where Elkton is deemed one of the most dangerous small towns in all of Maryland. The most one. Um, you've seen that. And there's violent crime. There's abuse. There's assault. There's rapes. There's, there's blatant shoplifting now that we see. People just walking in with not a care and just taking stuff and going. People who are, um, are, who are beating up elderly and all kinds of things. For what? Um, there's an extreme hatred, again, for those who disagree with you, and we have what we call a cancel culture, right? Um, and we see it in every way. And it's not just happening in the United States, but it's happening around the world. And several years ago, um, there's a quote that I want to share with you from, he was, he's the founder of Dubai and the co-founder of United Arab Emirates, Sheikh Rashid, and he was asked several years ago about the future of his own nation. And he made this statement. He said, my father rode a camel. Uh, my, excuse me, my grandfather rode a camel. My father rode a camel. I ride a Mercedes. My son rides in a Land Rover. And my grandson is going to ride a Land Rover. But my great-grandson is going to have to ride a camel again. When the question why he said that, he said, hard times create strong men. Strong men create easy times. Easy times create weak men. Weak men create difficult times. And he says, many will not understand, but, I have to, but you have to raise warriors, not parasites. He continued and said, add to that histor- the historical reality that all great empires, the Persians, the Trojans, the Egyptians, the Greeks, the Romans, and in later years, the British all rose and perished within 240 years. They were not conquered by external enemies. They rotted from within. The United States is on borrowed time. We are 247 years old. And I pray for God to bless America. And the only way that happens is not by elections and other things. It's only by revival and a connection with Jesus Christ. Sadly, we're on that page right now. We're on on a page that 2 Timothy 3 talked about. Not just the signs, but literally all the signs that make this generation unique. And so I want to give you just two more of them just so you can see that there's not all bad things, but there's some interesting things. One of those is worldwide satellite technology. All right? It puts us in a different category than any other generation who talks about end times. Because one detail in the book of Revelation comes from Revelation chapter 11. And right in the middle of the tribulation, these two witnesses appear. Scholars have, have gone ahead and looked and seen who they are. I know if you read the Left Behind series, who they think they are, that many people believe it's Moses and Elijah, which kind of fits because they, you know, we know that God buried Moses' bones and Elijah got whisked away. So that's kind of a, a, a cool thing. And one stands for the law, one stands for the prophets. Um, but what happens is whoever these prophets are, they come in the midst of the tribulation. Remember, the Holy Spirit's gone because the church is gone. So they come down and they begin... God allows for them to share the gospel in the midst of the tribulation. And some people will accept and they'll they'll lose their lives. And two that lose their lives are these two um, witnesses. And they're killed and they're laid out in the street. And eventually God raised them up and the, the nations freak out. But in Revelation 11 it says, the whole world is going to witness their death at the same time. 
We are in the first generation that's even possible for. Because <coughs> we have satellites, we have internet, and you can see anything at once. So that's the first thing. So we have the satellite technology. The other thing is the worldwide financial technology. If you read in Revelation about how it's going to be a season of tribulation, and we, we didn't get into all that last week because remember I said as a church, I want to focus on the early part, and then we're, then we're raptured, and on the other part, the second coming of Christ and how that works out. So if you didn't, if you didn't hear those last two messages, particularly last week, go ahead and, and check that out. But during this time, this is where the Antichrist is going to be... Uh, the only one who's going to allow commerce from what, we, from what we read. And it's going to do it through a mark. It's not a religious mark. It's a commerce mark. It's one to buy and sell and exchange goods. And to buy and sell, you must receive this mark. And the mark is either on your hand or on your forehead, according to Revelation, and so that you can purchase. And this is happening, this technology is happening, is actually being used, utilized more and more, and it's growing. Some spent years talking about it could be microchip. And a couple of years ago, there was a company in Wisconsin that in order to work for that company, everybody had to have a microchip placed in them and on, on their hands to be part of that company. And I just saw um, that it's getting more and more popular at Whole Foods. They are utilizing Amazon One, which is where you can go and scan your hand and pay for things. You can go ahead and Google it and look at it. It's, it's right there. Now, I'm not saying Amazon or Jeff Bezos or Whole Foods is the Antichrist, right? You got, everybody get that? I didn't say that. What I'm saying is that we are the first generation, because we're talking about the birth pains, right? This, we are the first generation that all these things are being fulfilled in our generation and in our time. And the bottom line is this technology exists and it's happening, and yet we were told about it by John and by Daniel. And so that's why I believe we are in the eighth and ninth month. So we're close. We're close. But um, there's some really good news that, you, you know, you're not only going to see an increase of wickedness. Everybody say, Whew. There we go. But number two is this. We will see an increase of the spreading of the gospel. There's going to be a mighty revival. The bad is going to get worse but the good is going to get better. There's um, going to be a mighty spread of the gospel. And Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 24. Remember, we said we're staying there. He said about this, about the signs. And he said, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. All nations does not mean geographic nations with borders and flags. You with me? Um, it does not mean that. The word actually means ethnos. Everybody say ethnos. That's where we get our term ethnic groups. And there are currently 193 sovereign nations, and, but there are 7,000 different languages among those 193 nations. So 7,000 ethos. And um, Jesus said when the gospel can get to those 7,000 ethos, the ethnic groups, then the end will come. And that is happening. For the first time in human history, there has never been, there's absolutely never been a generation that has seen the spread of the gospel like the one we're currently living in. I know right now you're saying, well, wait a second, Jack, I'm not seeing it in the United States. You're not. But if you went ahead and let's, if you, if you decided and you decided to do, do a chart and you started with the cross of Jesus, all right? and you went through up to modern times, you would go, it's relatively flat. And over the last 50 years, it has skyrocketed straight up throughout the world. Skyrocketed 
throughout the world over the last 50 years. We are in a big harvest. We're not seeing that in our country, but all around the world. Remember I told you the gospel the other week, the gospel is growing fastest in Iran. In Iran. Christian growth. Let's take a look at some of these. In 1970, there were 1.2 billion Christians. Now, I realize the population has gone up still. But in 1920 and in in 23, there's a little bit more. But there is 2.6 billion Christians in the world. They're the largest, largest religious group in the world still today. And we need to praise God for that. This is why world missions is so important. We must invest in our brothers and sisters all over the world. Many places and most places where the gospel and people are being persecuted. You know, one of the areas that the gospel is growing in, China. China. And what what somebody who was brilliant did because the, the Chinese government shut off missionaries going there. And you know what would happen? When the top of the top Chinese would come over to school here, people would reach them with the gospel and they took it back to their own country. And they're spreading the gospel, risking their lives. But it's growing, it's growing, and it's growing in those countries. Um, and so we see that time and time again. Um, also, for every, every place the gospel is growing in that new area, something else happens. Poverty is falling. So when we see that people are, are coming to Christ, poverty is falling in those areas. And, pov- and that, you know, many care about poverty, and we should and we need to because Jesus said, when you do to the least of these, you also do to me. But you need to know, I want to share with you these numbers. In 1990, 52% of the world was what is in what they call extreme poverty. By 2017, 16% of the world was in, in extreme poverty. And by 2020, 9.2% is in extreme poverty. It's amazing, isn't it? And here's the really cool thing. Nearly in 100% of the decline is in places where the church is growing and people are coming, new Christians, and the gospel's growing. Jesus not only changes inside, but he changes the culture as well. And, and people are saved in many different ways, not only spiritually, but physically. By the way, and I find this fascinating, 90% of this final 9.2% is in places where there are no Bibles, there's no church buildings, there's no missionaries. And that's why we continue to spread the gospel and do what we can in these other areas. Isn't that awesome that people are growing? And they don't have near what we have, and the gospel is growing rapidly around the world. And we are in an amazing place. And I'm going to give you um, one more sign. Uh, Matthew 24, 15, Jesus mentioned something often skimmed over. And he said this, he said, So when you see uh, standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation, spoke through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand, okay? Now, what is the holy place? It is the newly constructed temple that the Antichrist is going to broker a peace deal and say, hey, guess what? You get to build the temple. And everybody's like, yay! And they build the temple. They already have made plans for that. They have furnishings and other kinds of things. So they build the temple, and about year three and a half, um, something happens. It's a false uh, peace agreement, and the Antichrist comes in, and he says, hey, um, uh, psych, okay, that's not happening. That's not what's happening. So, uh, and this term that is coined, it's from Daniel, the abomination that causes desolation. And what is it? The Antichrist that brought peace is a false peace, says, never mind, 
I don't like you guys anyway. This temple is for me. And he's going to place a statue to himself where everybody must worship him. So that's what begins to happen. And with that statue that's put up in the temple of God, that is what Daniel called the abomination that causes desolation. And really what it does, it is the final straw for God. God's like, that's enough. All right, that's enough. That's, that's the last thing that's going to have. And so when you see that standing in there, that Jesus, uh, and, and, that he says, this is when everything's going to start kicking into high gear, and I'm really coming soon. And you can see here that Jesus also validates Daniel's prophecy and his ministry here. Now, he also ends with something. What does he say? Let the reader do what? Understand. There's a problem. I don't understand. Are you with me? Um, and it's hard to understand at times. So... Um, by studying, I want to help you. If you go back to the final chapter of Daniel, the book of Daniel, and back, if you want to hear more about Daniel, back in 2017, I did a series called Daniel Days. Some of you might remember that. And um, it's about the book of Daniel. You can get it online, go back and check it out. Now, what's interesting about Daniel, Daniel has, a, um, it's a book that about six, it's divided in half. Six of the chapters are historical and six are prophecy. All right? And six are prophecy. Now, in the final six prophecy chapters, Daniel actually revealed what he saw, and he saw 490 years of the future, called the 77s. And are you ready for this? You ready for this? Are you good? Okay, here we go. He saw 490 years, and 483 of those years throughout history have already been fulfilled. So we, how, anybody good at math? How many do we have left? You know what those seven are? The tribulation. We're close. We're close. And you should be excited about that, right? We should be excited about that. Jesus is coming back. In Daniel chapter 12, Daniel uh, describes this in the last chapter. He says, at that time, Michael, uh, the great prince that's, uh, who protects the people, that's the archangel Michael who's, who's the warrior, okay? And he will arise, and, at the, and there will be a time of great distress. Anybody know what that time of great distress is? Tribulation. The tribulation. It said demonic time, right? Remember that, that we talked about that? Such as has not happened from the beginning of the nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone's name is found in the book. Remember what the book is last week. Who remembers what the book is? We talked about the book, and we talk about the books. The books are, if you want to pay for it yourself, everything you've ever done has been recorded in the books. But the book is the Lamb's Book of Life. So if you accept Jesus immediately and you have a relationship with him, bam, your name is written in that, and you don't have to pay for any of your sins. Jesus paid for it all. Daniel saw this. Isn't that awesome? Long before Jesus was born and raised in Bethlehem, gave his life up and resurrected, Daniel saw the names of people written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Isn't that awesome? And you should realize that Scripture shows that Scripture is real and it's the Word of God. And it's, it, it, it's amazing. So, um, so here he is. He says he saw that and, um, and says, what will happen to them? They will be delivered. They will be delivered. You won't have to suffer the tribulation. You'll be raptured out of here. He saw the rapture. He saw the Lamb's Book of Life. He saw the tribulation. He saw the rapture. This is Daniel, right? Okay, I'm a lot more excited about this than you guys are, right? You know, all right, but anyway, here we go. And, and he said, the multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. Remember what we talked about last week? 
that the trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ rise first? Okay, those who are dead in Christ, some to everlasting life and others to shame and everlasting contempt. What else does he see? We talked about it last week. What else does he see? He sees that um, he sees the rapture, but he also sees the great white throne of judgment. He's seeing it all really quickly. He's doing a lot quicker than I did last week, right? And those who are wise will shine like the brightest of the heavens, and those um, who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. And we went over some numbers just a little bit ago about how God is moving away. away. He said, but you, Daniel, keep this prophecy a secret. Seal it up. Seal up the book until the time, until the time of the end. And then Daniel gives two more signs. And these are really kind of fun ones here. I'm going to show this. Um, many will rush here and there, and knowledge will increase. So just for fun, here's some other signs that are really cool. I told you I'm not going to bog you down with them. I'm going to give you a couple more. There's also going to be an increase of speed and travel. All right? And this has only been about the last 100 years. I can, right now, leave here, step off the stage, head to Philadelphia or Baltimore in about an hour drive, depending on traffic, get on a plane, buy a ticket, get on a plane to Italy and be in Rome in eight hours and 27 minutes. A hundred years ago, travel was only about 20 or 30 miles per day. And that's why if you go to Texas, they're spread out of every 20 or 30 miles. You know that? Have you ever recognized that, the towns? Because it's got room and that's, you're traveling, you stay there. So we, this is something that we, we you know, we, we just take for granted that we get in, start our car until what? It doesn't start. And we're like, we got to get out and walk a mile? Oh, ran out of gas? I got to get, I got to walk, I got to walk 100 yards? Are you kidding me? This dumb car, right? Only about the last 100 years or so that we've, a um, couple hundred years that we've been doing this. So um, the other thing is, and it says, and knowledge will increase. Um, I also researched this. Knowledge from the beginning of time, that recorded time that we have, till a little over 200 years ago had only doubled like one time. What we knew then to just about 200 years ago only doubled in our knowledge one time in all of history that we know of. Then, about mid-20th century, 1950s or so, knowledge was doubling every 25 years. And that's, that's a lot more rapid, correct? Um, in 2013, knowledge was doubling every 18 to 24 months. Now, if you look this up, experts are pretty much in agreement that knowledge is doubling almost every single day. Daniel, God revealed it to Daniel. Go get on a plane, trains, automobiles, whatever. You can go ahead and, you know what? People may not apply the knowledge, but we know more. All the time, we're knowing more and more and more. We're living in a very unique generation. And Daniel goes ahead and says this. I heard what was said, but I did not understand what it meant. That's great. That is a great husband verse there. Um, I heard you, but I don't understand. Um, I, am, I thought you needed to laugh a little bit. All right. I'm, he says, I'm writing this down, but I don't get it. Daniel's writing this down. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. And then he says, how will this finally end, my Lord? But, he, but the Lord does this. He completely ignores it. Go now, Daniel, for what I have said is kept secret and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, cleansed, and refined by these trials. That There's going to be a group of people who don't um, fall for the increasing wickedness. They're not going to get wrapped up into it, but they're going to serve God. And it says, but the wickedness will continue. Uh, the wicked will continue in their wickedness, and none of them will understand. Only those who are wise will know what it means. So your question is like mine, right? How do you get wise? All right. 
So I'm going to give you the response, and we're going to wind it down here, all right? You good? I'm throwing a lot at you here, all right? Um, if there's two major groupings of the signs, the increase of wickedness and the spread of the gospel, right? Then I have two responses for that, and they come from 2 Peter chapter 3. And he says this, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And I want to stop there and tell you, it doesn't have to for you. It doesn't have to for you. For most people, it is going to. But if, you have, uh, if you've given your life to Jesus, it's just he's coming to take you on a trip, right? And you're going to go. Um, and, you ha- and you don't, it doesn't have to be that way for you where you don't get it. Because we're doing a series and we're sharing and we're digging in about this. And he wants you to be ready. He wants, when, you, you, know, you, ever, you ever showed up at somebody's house, you say, I'm going to be there at three o'clock, or you don't even tell them. You say, I'm going to come by, I'm going to honk the horn, I want you to get out there, right? How many times you get out there, you honk the horn and somebody ain't coming? You honk the horn again. You call on the phone, you honk on the horn, honk on the horn. Anybody ever left anybody? All right. Don't be the one that Jesus leaves. He's telling you when he's, he's coming and he's honking the horn, be ready to go when he's here. All right? Um, And here's what he says. So we need to be ready. He says, The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it is going to be laid bare. And the point is, this is going to happen. Whether you believe it or not, it's going to happen. It doesn't change that it's going to happen. Whether you believe it or not, it's going to happen. And since everything will be destroyed in this way, here's the question. What kind of people ought you to be? It's a question that he asks, and then he answers it with direct responses to the increase in wickedness and the increase in the gospel. How do you do that? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day day and speed of its coming. In other words, we're going to have to make choices in life. We're going to have to make choices, maybe more than any other generation has, on what is right, what is good, and what is godly. What is consistent with the, the word of God, what is consistent with his spirit, apart from what the world tells us. There's, at a time when we showed that we are in a moral decay, and we're in a decay on all kinds of things, a relational decay, and all this stuff is slipping away, and like, it's like sand in your fingers, and, and the love of people, is, of each other, is not there. Where hatred and uncaring abounds, and even is encouraged in many ways. And the world is attempting not only to remake you in its image, but also remake the church, the body of Christ, in what the world thinks the church should be. Where there's a mantra that says, we just can't disagree, so you either have to agree with me or you're against me. We have to be able to stand firm and rooted in the word of God and in our faith and in the love of God. The book of Daniel is all about how we stand firm. That's what that whole Daniel Day series was. How do we stand firm in in an ungodly culture or one that is, is not based in the word of God? Daniel did it, and we can learn from it as well. As I mentioned last week, there's two ways we go about that, grace and truth. I'm going to say this again. We always lead with grace. Jesus was full of grace and truth. Because if we lead with truth, truth without grace is mean. Grace without truth is meaningless. And we need to embrace that. We need to have truth and grace. And if you're just going up to people and telling them truth, and you don't have a relationship with him, it's going to come off as mean, even if you mean it well. We have to form relationships with people. I can, people that I have relationships with, I can say anything to, for the most part, and vice versa. But if a stranger comes up to me on the street and tells me they're going to tell me about something, I want to punch that sucker. You know what I mean? Anybody else with me? 
like, you know, well, let me look at you, you know, all right? And, and that's just my own, my own nature. But when we, when we lead with grace and love, then we can speak truth when we journey with people in life. You get it? That's part of, holy, of the holy and living life. It doesn't mean perfect. It just means that we, we live life trying to seek God and love him and, and let his spirit lead and guide us. What are we going to believe? How are we going to live? Are we going to lead with grace and truth? And are we going to love people? I have never done anything in my life by somebody bombarding me and hitting me over the head with anything. Ever. I'm going to tell you, if you come to me and you demand something, I'm going to get my ire up, I'm going to dig my feet in, I'm going to say, I don't care whether you're right or not, I'm not doing anything. Anybody else with me? So why in the world would we think that when we're always leading with truth and we're being mean about it, that anybody would want to understand the love of God? Because guess what? Christians have a problem with amnesia. We forget that it's only by the grace of God, Jesus Christ and his blood and his gift to me that I'm not busting hell wide open. And so I need to be thankful. And then everybody else in the world, I don't care what you're doing, I don't care who you are, except for the fact I love you and I want Jesus to take you to be with me too. And when we leave with that, the world changes with love, not mean not mean and hatred. And we have a bad PR image in the church today, particularly in this country. Okay, and we got to change that around. How do we change it around? Not by just going ahead and being the Nicolaitans where we're so rigid, not by being the Balaamites where we're just so everything. We do it by grace and truth and love. That's how we do it. All right. That's not on the paper, but that was extra. All right. Um, So, and did you know that you can actually speed the coming of Jesus? You can actually speed it up. You can actually speed it up um, because he's waiting. The only reason why he hadn't come is because he's waiting for more people to be saved. And you can speed it up by telling more about him. Last two responses, and then we're wrapping this up. What do we have to do? We have to follow God, not culture. Culture shifts and changes. One of the most eye-opening things I had is when I was doing a study one time, and there was, um, I, there was some attorneys that were there. And we, got, we were talking about the Ten Commandments, and then we started talking about Hammurabi's Code of Laws. And my question was to the person who had been to law school, I said, hey, um, do you guys discuss this as history of law? And they said, no. I said, you don't study history of law? No. Like because you know, in sociology, and I taught sociology for years, it was the moral code, and then when it gets big enough, then it becomes a legal code, and then you have laws and, and everything else. And the statement was, no, we study uh, American case history. And so what happens is culture shifts and changes, and so does everything else. And so that's why, that's why when people say, my truth is my truth and your truth is your truth, and I say, well, I wish I had a test like that in high school because I would have a lot of grades. I would say, no, that's my truth. They said, no, sorry, that's false, right? But we don't have, if we don't have truth, we don't have anything, and the truth of Jesus Christ, all right? So we gotta, we got to follow, um, follow God, not culture. Matthew 24 says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. For the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving up, giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And those are symbols that I'm doing what I want, all right? Um, I don't care about anything. I certainly don't care about God. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. So unfortunately, there were casualties in the flood. Um, we've always talked about Methuselah, who was the oldest person that lived. If you do the math, he was probably outside knocking on the door. Okay, just letting you know. Um, and um, he said, here's how it'll be. Two men will be in a field. One will be taken, the other left. 
Two women will be uh, grinding with a handmill. One will be taken, other will be left. That's the rapture. Therefore, keep watch. In other words, wake up because you do not know what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let this house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you don't expect him. So the first thing is don't follow culture, follow God. Make up your mind and your life to follow God. Number two, make an eternal difference with your lives. Make an eternal difference with each of our lives. This is what we're called to do. Second Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Then why in the heck ain't he here already? You know, the early church thought he was coming back right away. The opposite happens now. We're, we're like, eh, he ain't been back yet. You know, I mean, he probably won't be back till after football season. You know, I mean, I, you know, I, did, well, I got this. I got this plans. And, and, and so, um, but instead, he, see, they're ready for him back too. Um, instead, he's patient with you. Why is he patient? Why, he hasn't come back because he's patient. What is he, why is he so patient? Because he doesn't want anyone to perish. Let's go back to John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, the ethos, the people that he gave his one and his son. He came for the world. Notice he doesn't say, for God so loved the church. He don't want anybody in the church to, to perish. He don't want anyone to perish. And you know, Jesus is excited. He's like, I'll, I'll, is it wedding day yet? Is it ready to go? Am, is it my time? Am I, did I get to go yet? And you can see maybe God going, all right, today's the day. And he starts to go, wait, 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 wait one more. He says, okay, okay. And he goes, Today's say, yeah, yeah, go get him. He said, wait, whoa, one more, one more, one more, one more, one more. In our hearts and our lives, we should look at people, not in the state they are, and, and the more messed up they are, we should say, that's one more. That's one more. That's one more. And maybe if I get that one more to come to Jesus, maybe today will be the day that will come. I can speed this up by doing something eternal with my life, by giving my life to the Lord. Today, I think this one verse kind of sums everything up. As Jesus, before he's ready to ascend, the disciples say, Hey, Lord, when's all this stuff going to happen? Are you going to restore the kingdom of, of Israel? When's it going to happen? And he said to them, he's getting used to saying this, right? It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. They, remember, they asked him before again. They're consistently asking questions. They're little kids in the back of the car. Are they there yet? Are they there yet? When are you coming back? When are you coming back? Where are you going? How are you coming back? Oh, you're going there? What's going to be there? You're going to come back? What time? What time? I got to get ready. Let me know. Let me know because I'm busy. I'm busy in life. Is it, is it today? Is it tomorrow? Is it a thousand years? Tell me, tell me, tell me. Tell me. See, look, she's ready to go too, Siri. Um, and so, so that's what's going on. They're asking that. We as a church for years have been saying, is it, is it time yet? Is it time yet? Is it time yet? Is it time yet? We're so worried about the time, we're not worried about getting ready. And listen to what Jesus says. He says, not for you to know that. Stop doing it. Stop wasting your time with it. Stop thinking about it. The most of what the church focuses on, you ain't even going to be here if you know, no one loved me. So he says this. He said, it's not for you to know the days or hours or the times, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be what? My witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
What Jesus was saying is stop worrying about when and just take my Holy Spirit and go get one more. Go get another one. And when you get one more, get another one and another one and another one and another one. Where do you do it? Right around your circle. Who's that in your circle that needs to know the love of God in Jerusalem, in, in the region, and in those that work and around you? Who's, who is Judea and Samaria? And oh, by the way, yes, you are your brother's keeper over there. Because right now, the countries that are growing the most in the gospel are the ones that during the Reformation were the lowest in the gospel. And how do they know the gospel? Because people here took it seriously that they were going to take their witness to the end of the earth with the Holy Spirit. Many giving up their own lives. And that, in turn is causing a revival around the world that may be like it was in Ireland when St. Patrick went there as a prisoner, left and came back as a, as a pastor to, um, to the Irish. And meanwhile, the barbarians attacked and took over Rome. And who went back in? The Irish went back in and gave them the gospel and changed it all. You are to be his witnesses. Why? Because you have the Holy Spirit. And the cool thing is, he's talking for you. And that's amazing. Isn't, it? Isn't that good? Isn't that good? So, um, so this is what we do. We need to make a difference, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I know I gave you a lot. Are you liking this? Yeah. Is it good? You going to get ready? Yeah. All right, let's get ready. All right. So if we're going to see how good you're getting ready. Get ready to worship one more time here today in, in song. And if you just stand. Um, As always, we, we take an offering, um, and, and, you know, I, I just want to say that, you know, that is, um, that's just our opportunity to give back to the Lord in, in the financial blessings that we have, and, and, um, and so I appreciate that because that's part of what enables us to, to go uh, into Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth, and, and, I, and I say often that, you know, um, if you're visiting and um, that we don't we don't expect you to give because we, what, what we want is we want, ultimately I want everybody to receive what God has for them, right? And, um, and I've always been one. My dad used to tell me in every situation in life, God pays for what he orders. And, um, and some of you might remember that during the um, anniversary, we shared that, um, you know, we're not wealthy by any chance, but there have been several times that we said six months and then we're out of business. And that was 15 years, 15 and a half years ago. Because God is doing something in you and in this church that is reaching our Jerusalem, our Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's, I, want, I want to make it clear it's not my church. Everybody got that? I am just the one that the Lord forced, I mean, put into this. Uh, and called into it. Um, and God has taught me so much about him. In the worst of times, he's taught me more about his love and his grace. In the best of times, um, he's taught me so much. And, and in each of those times in looking on life, it was, like, I, like I've told people, I, I had a plan for about the first two months. I mean, I spent a lot of time on church growth things and 
church planning, and one person said, don't call it planning, call it launching, because nobody goes out and wants the farmer plant. Everybody loves to go to Cape Canaveral and see a launch. And I was like, oh, that's good. I'll use that language. And I did all that kind of stuff. And about two months in, I had no clue what I was doing. But one thing I've always tried to do is to be ready for what God wants to do. Be ready for what he, how he wants to lead. Be ready for what he wants to do through his Holy Spirit. And boy, I'm, you know, I remember for years, like, hey, Lord, I don't want you coming back yet. I, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do that. And I'm just truly at a point in life like, Lord, I want you to come back. May today be the day. And maybe someone's out here today and you are that one person. I'm going to tell you, give your life to Jesus. I want to make sure your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. I don't want you having to pay for all your stuff on your own because you can't. Your name's going to be written in the books. And you're going to bust H-E double hockey sticks open. I want you in heaven. I want you to be part of that rapture. I want you to be at the wedding of the Lamb. This is all a lot. But the main thing in this is we don't have to worry about any of this. If we just say, Jesus, I need you. You've been faithful. I can look at, we saw numbers this week for you people who like numbers and proof and saw that. There's only seven years left of Daniel's prophecy. This world is very, very getting, the belly's getting bigger. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. So, Father, I just ask that whatever you're speaking to anyone here today, that, that you just, um, you know, we may wonder when and where and how and all that other kind of stuff, and you tell us it's not for you to know, but I'm giving you my Holy Spirit. And so God's so good that he gives us enough faith that we can believe even when we don't. Even when we're struggling to believe, he just says, go ahead. I'm not saying you have to know absolutely everything. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Put Jesus to the test if you're not sure. And then you give us a spirit that we can reach others and, and that spirit is with us because you love us so much and God, I just pray that your spirit will move through this place. But ultimately, we just pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Rapture us out of here. I can't wait to see my big old room that you have for me in heaven because I know it's awesome. But the most important thing is I can't wait to worship you face to face in your lap, at your feet, and just bask in your presence. May we not be like one of the churches we talked about last week and forgot our first love for those of us who are on fire for the Lord and somehow trickled out. May we renew that. May we decide, hey, I am going to follow you, Jesus, and, and I'm going to love you, and I want you to use my life to get one more because I want you to come back. Whatever it may be, Lord, just speak to people wherever they are. We know we have people in the front and the back that will be with them. We ask uh, for your blessing over the offering and the tithe, and God, use it not here, not just here, but around the world for that one more. Say, the Father says, yeah, go get him. Go get him. And we can celebrate with you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. My foes are many. They rise against me. But I will hold my ground 
I will not fear the war. I will not fear the storm. My help is on the way. My help is on the way. Oh, my God, He will not delay. My refuge and strength always. I will not fear. His promise is true. My God will come through always.
So, the last couple weeks, we've talked about it to, that he's, he's bringing back some love, right? We went through the whole thing last week. We talked about the why. We talked about the, the when and the what and all that stuff, right? Next week, we're going to talk about revival. Right, we're going to talk about revival. So, it's going to be fun when we get through all this stuff. So, have a great week and may God revive you. And just may one, maybe I won't see you next week here. Maybe it's in heaven. Have a great week. God bless.